So there are certain scriptures that have spoken to me and resonated with me deeply over the years, and this is one of them, the one that Dan read. And as I reflected upon it and why it has resonated with me, I I think it's because of the way it's made me aware of how important it is to live this life of contemplation and a life of activism. Another way of putting it is it's helped me understand that it's necessary to have both silence and action in my life or to have what I would call both stillness and steps. Now here's a shocker. I'm the kind of person who has trouble settling down. I'm kind of in constant motion. I sometimes imagine that in my head is that little symbol you see on your TV buffering, 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 just constantly processing information, constantly processing data, and it just goes and goes and goes and goes. My mind and body is in constant motion. That's why I'm often drawn and inspired and challenged by folks who speak and write about silence, who speak and write about, about those times for reflection, because I want to do that, and I need to do that. Sometimes it doesn't come as easy for me as others. Sometimes if I'm not careful, too, I'll get a little bit judgy, and I'll wonder why all the contemplative folks aren't doing enough. Why aren't they moving fast enough? Why aren't they taking action? It's time to move. It's time to take some steps. And then there's times in which I've noticed the desire to spend Time and waiting prayer and silence can, on the flip side, feel like a way to avoid taking action or the necessary step. Spending more time in listening prayer may be necessary, and it sounds good. I mean, how can you argue with the idea of praying more and spending more time in silence? But sometimes, maybe, it's more avoidance than actual prayer. I'm just going to pray about it just a little bit more. But maybe I know everything I need to know in that moment. So which is it? Is it more contemplation? Is it more activism? Is it more silence? Is it more action? Is it more stillness? Is it more steps? What I began to discover as I listened to this passage is it doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and. And our lives need both contemplation and activism. They need both silence and action. They need both stillness and steps. In fact, it could be said that it's out of our silence It's out of this space that we reflect that we're able to see more clearly the actions and the steps we need to take. Then after we've taken some action, we can then reflect. It kind of works together. It kind of goes together. And this is true for the individual spiritual journey as true for the corporate journey as well, for our life together as a faith community and as a friends meeting. We each have our own individual journeys that we're called to take and to walk. But we also have a corporate journey. And that journey involves this healthy balance between silence and action, stillness and steps, waiting and walking. When we gather for meaningful worship, as I just said a few moments ago, the silence is not a warm-up act to the message. It's creating this space for us to listen, to become aware. When we gather for business on Thursday, for example, our monthly meeting for business, often early friends would say it's a meeting for worship with a concern for business. Because what we gathered for was or is to worship, and out of our worship experience arise concerns, and we deal with our business. We deal with operation matters. But it's all framed in the context of worship and listening to God. And we enter into that in silence because we want to be more aware, God-aware and self-aware. But there are times in which action has to be taken. Approval has to be made, and you have to take 
next steps. In our story this morning, Israelites have left Egypt. Moses has confronted Pharaoh. Pharaoh has let them go, but now he's having second thoughts. Who's going to build this empire? Who's going to do all the hard labor so Pharaoh and his army are in pursuit, bearing down on the Israelites? And as for the Israelites, well, they find themselves right at the edge of this Red Sea. They look backward, and so they see the Egyptians getting closer and closer. In front of them is this barrier, and I love Dan's word, this obstacle that seems impossible. Their past is gaining on them. Their future looks impossible, and they find themselves stuck between both their past and their future, and they're afraid. Now, I want to just stop there for a few moments and just let's live into this this picture, this image. Maybe we've experienced that moment. Maybe you're in that moment this morning, or at least at this stage in your life. You're stuck right between your past and your future. You're stuck right in the middle of looking back at how it was, but not really sure you have the courage to step forward into what you could be. You're sort of stuck thinking that the past really wasn't that bad. It wasn't perfect, but at least I knew what to expect. And you look forward and think, I don't even know what lies ahead. The future looks so overwhelming. I'm not even sure I want to go there. And if the truth be known, these Israelites are stuck in their fear, just like we often do. Now Moses picks up on this. In fact, his very words are this, don't be afraid. Fear will do that to us. Fear keeps us stuck in one place. We look backwards at our life and realize that maybe it wasn't that great. Or maybe life has moved on, but we look back rather nostalgically and simply wish nothing had changed. It's always interesting to me that for the Israelites, they looked back and wanted to go back to Egypt. But it was back in Egypt that they had slavery. It was back in Egypt that they had bondage. But the draw was it was so familiar to them. Sometimes even our most destructive habits and patterns in life feel much safer than stepping into the new that God has for us because it's familiar. It's what we know. And so we look forward and nothing seems certain. The future seems like just this big open wilderness with this unclear way forward. In fact, the challenges that we have to overcome seem so big, they seem as big as an ocean, if you will, or as big as a Red Sea. And Moses, for his part, I give Moses a lot of credit. The guy's trying. He's simply trying to be faithful, this encouraging leader. I mean, what else do we expect him to say or do? On one side is Pharaoh and his mighty army bearing down. On the other side is this big body of water with no way forward or through. And maybe Moses was grasping for the right thing to say. Theologically, he's not wrong. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. The Lord will deliver and accomplish for you today. And sometimes you have to understand leaders will say the right things, but not always at the right time. I've had that experience. Sometimes I'll actually say the wrong things at the wrong time, but often sometimes we'll say the right things. It's just not the right time. The Israelites didn't need to be standing. They needed to be moving. And God made sure of that because the word came through right after Moses' exhortation to be still. God intervenes and says in so many words, get moving. Sometimes we want to wait. Some more. Sometimes you want to wait for God to do something, and sometimes God is simply waiting for you and I to do something. God is able to deliver us through any trial, but there are times that Scott Wagner has to take a step and to get moving. To be honest, every time I read this passage, I end up smiling, I end up chuckling to myself, 
Because this whole scene of Moses saying, be still, and God intervening and saying, get moving. But through my smiles and my chuckles, I've come to that place of seeing the value of both, a life that includes both silence and action, both stillness and steps, both standing firm and moving forward. And it's not a matter of which one is better, stillness or steps, standing firm or moving forward. It's a matter of which one is most necessary in my life at this point in time. Maybe for a season or maybe just for a moment. There have been times in my life in which waiting, reflection, and silence are what's most needed. And I know that because oftentimes I've been moving way too fast. You know, Quakers had this Phrase and others have used it before, but Quakers would often say in their earlier years, don't outrun your guide, capital G. In other words, moving so fast, moving so quickly that you're way out in front and the guide is way back here and you're trying to lead things yourself. There are times I'm outrunning my guide. I'm way too fast. I'm way too busy. I'm making decisions on the fly and they're not very good ones. Most of the decisions I make on the fly, on the run, out of anxiety, out of stress, are not the best decisions I've ever made. The best decisions I have ever made when I take time are the ones where I reflect. I listen. And I'm more self-aware. So I'm filling up my life with activity and noise, and I haven't made space and room for this still, quiet voice of God and those whispers in my soul that will speak to my condition that offer me the insight and wisdom that I most need. And it isn't something we need to make complicated. It's simply a matter of making space in our life for stillness, for silence, making space in our life for reflection, for listening to life and listening to our own life. I love the words of the late African-American preacher Howard Thurman. He wrote this, quote, How good it is to center down, to sit quietly and see one's life pass by. Now, we often hear people who maybe have faced death or have been on the edge of something traumatic, possibly death, say, I saw my whole life pass right in front of my eyes. And that very well could be true. And I know and I think that happens. But why wait until then? We have this opportunity to sit quietly now and in the present and see our life pass by. To reflect upon our life while we're alive, to let it teach us, to let it speak to us, to let it guide us, to ask such questions as, what is our life saying to us? What's your life saying to you? What are your regrets? What are your hopes and aspirations? What are your dreams? Who is God inviting you to become? And I know this sounds a little bit strange, But have a conversation with yourself in the quiet space. Have a conversation with your young self. I've done that before. The 55-year-old self has a a conversation with the 30-year-old self. And I'm asking that 30-year-old self, well, did you become who you wanted to become? Are you where you want to be right now? Is this what you thought it would be? And my 55-year-old self and my 30-year-old self will have this conversation, and sometimes there's sadness, and sometimes there's disappointment, and sometimes there's celebration. And then my 55-year-old self, you probably think I have a lot of conversations in my head, don't you? I know. You see me muttering to myself while I'm driving down the road. 
But then my 55-year-old self will have a conversation with my 70-year-old self. And I'll ask that self, how do you want to finish? And my 70-year-old self will tell my 55-year-old self, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it, because this is how I want to be when I get here. I can't do that with noise and activity. I can't do that with everything going on around me. I can only do that when I'm willing to center down, as Howard Thurman says, to sit quietly and see one's life pass by. Because here's the thing, if we don't do it, at some point you are going to do that if by force in real life, life has passed you by and you've never paid attention to it. In his short but powerful book entitled Quiet, pastor and author A.J. Sherrill writes this, the fruits of cultivating stillness are greater self-awareness and greater God-awareness, and it increases the clarity of life. Stillness and silence is not the end, it's a means to an end, and the end is this greater self-awareness, this greater God-awareness, this greater clarity about our lives, which leads to the other half, and it's important, as I've been saying, moving from stillness to steps, from reflection to action, from getting up to moving forward, and the reason stillness and silence and reflection is such an important part, because it helps us to respond to life rather than react to life. As one person wrote, One of the early realizations of the life of stillness is that the opposite of the contemplative life is not the active life, but the reactive life. I want to be able to act with intent. I want to not react out of all my unprocessed motions and my frustrations and angers. I want to move forward with clarity, not race forward without any ideas to where I'm going or what my outcome will be. And when we have allowed that space and time, We trust that God will show up and guide us in the way to go. But that guidance may involve us needing to go forward. It may involve taking a next step. Yesterday I was reflecting on this message, and I posted this thought. And it goes like this, quote, Sometimes God answers our prayers. Sometimes we are our own answer to our own prayers. In other words, there may be actions we need to take in order to keep moving forward in life. God shows up in the stillness, but we have to take the steps. From this place of stillness and silence, there are steps with greater clarity and sometimes with greater courage. We have begun to live this life responsibly and not reactively. When I'm living life reactively, I'm doing it out of all of my frustrations, my anxiousness, my stress, my unprocessed habits and interactions that are not always healthy. When I live it responsibly, I'm living from that place of God's guidance and presence and spirit and goodness. So the title of this message is Be Still, But Keep Moving Forward. And one focus will depend upon where you are in your life right now, and the other one will depend upon what kind of journey you want to take. So here's a couple ways to look at it as we close. So maybe your life has been constant activity. Maybe your life has been this steady stream of noise. Maybe you found yourself living more reactively with no clarity about who you are, where you're going. You feel impatient. You feel frustrated. You feel like you're simply skimming the surface of life. Your answer to all the ambiguities of life and the fear of meaninglessness is just to stay more active and more busy. And by the way, you know where you can see that happen, at least with people like me. If you've ever been driving and you get lost, what do you do? You just drive faster. At least that's what I do. doesn't make any sense to me. I'm just going nowhere quicker. But the human condition sometimes is if we have no idea where we're going, 
We have no idea what we're doing. We just get busier and more active in a more hurried way so we can at least stay ahead of the pain of not knowing. Maybe it's time then to call a timeout. Maybe it's time to make space for stillness and reflection to sit quietly, to see yourself pass by. Maybe it's time to use just a very modern term to hit the pause button and just take a pause and listen. Don't be afraid to what your life will speak to you. Nothing will be more honest to you than your heart and your soul if you're willing to listen without editing, if you're willing to listen without any preconceived notion of how it should be, to just listen to it. And you may have moments where it happens that you didn't plan, but you're in the car, sitting in traffic. Rather than grumble and complain, just turn everything off and sit and listen. Maybe you have a few quiet moments at work. Maybe you have a few quiet moments at home. Maybe you have to take those moments, and sometimes I will just push my chair back and just throw my head back and listen because I realize I'm in hurry mode and I need to stop and hit the pause button. Or maybe your life, on the other hand, has been one of just needing a bit more information, a bit more time, asking for a bit more prayer, taking time to think about it just a bit more, but deep down inside you get the sense you're stalling. You're trying to buy yourself more time, hoping the issue or the challenge will go away. You've made prayer your sort of form of religious procrastination. You really don't need to pray about it anymore. You just need to act. You just need to step forward with the information you already have. And as you do, the way forward will begin to open up. The Red Sea didn't divide and the path didn't open up till Moses turned toward his obstacle and faced it and started to move toward it. So maybe it's that time to make a decision, to take that next step, to move forward in courage and in faith, knowing that God is leading you, knowing that God is guiding you, knowing that God is going with you. Stepping into a tough decision. Maybe stepping towards working on a relationship. Maybe stepping towards applying for a job. Maybe stepping towards making a new commitment in your life. Maybe stepping towards deepening your character. I don't know what it would be. We're all on this journey together individually. But my hunch is you do. You do know what you're being led to act on. There's a prayer in your bulletin that I want to share together, where we read together and then close and just take a few moments of silence before we close. It's under thoughts for reflection. Now I'll just read it and you can listen and then um, we'll hit the pause button and then we'll sing our final hymn. God of Exodus, I'm off on an inner road and I've never traveled before. Deep within, where only your eyes see, there's so much mystery and grayness and restlessness. I want so much to have a sense of direction to know where I am and where I ought to be headed, but the dark and the questions stay. You ask me to be full of faith, to believe deep within that you are my signpost, that you are my wisdom and my guide, and to trust in your presence. And your words to me are very clear. Do not fear. I go before you.